Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood. Whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. I have to get behind my electric fence and uh, I'm not supposed to leave it so I can stay out there and then what I'd like is uh, some of you that I can hardly see uh, to move up closer so that we can be closer to each other and then thirdly here is a, a new thing that some folks in this congregation have suggested that would be useful. On the back of your, of your uh, sermon roadmap, it says, Youth Dialogue in Preparation for Next Sunday, September 26th. Next Sunday, I'm doing <clears throat> part two of Paul's second missionary journey. Had the vision that you heard read about today their first stop was in the ancient city of Philippi called Kavala today. And so there's the scripture relative to next Sunday. And you are invited as a way of helping us start and engage with youth ministry. You are invited to find someone that's uh, um, in the youth category. Huh? and be a friend of them and do this dialogue. We understand with COVID and all that it's been difficult to have group gatherings, but you might know a friend, a, a young friend, that you could do this dialogue with. So each week there will be an advance in the bulletin that will enable us to dialogue with a young person in preparation for the next Sunday. So I invite us to uh, pray as I find my position behind the electric fence and we'll look at the account of a vision. So Lord, we, we ask for direction. Your word says that where there's no vision, People perish. So we ask, Lord, for your clear direction for this church, Inglewood Presbyterian. Lord, that you would make that vision very clear as this, your church, moves in to the future. 
begins in just a couple minutes. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, I'm doing this series with this title, Escaping the Confines of a Salt Shaker. And um, technicians, I'm just getting dings here. We need to get the pictures. <clears throat> so, confines of the salt shaker. And that is under the heading of Jesus' teaching, in which he said to his disciples, You, you, me, you are the salt of the earth. Now, there there's folks out there, you folks out there, I'm sure that some of you are just terrific cooks, and, and you understand the importance of salt when you're making this really special menu. And there we go. Uh, thank you, thank you for the picture now. Um, and so you may be thinking, okay, escaping the confines of a salt shaker, what's that all about? Well, you who are the good cooks out there, I'm not. Don't ever ask me a cook for you, you'll be, uh, yeah. But you, some of you know that the, the salt really doesn't do any good in a salt shaker, except to look at it. But it serves no purpose in a salt shaker. And so it was Jesus who said to his disciples, to us, you, you, me, you are the salt of the earth, and the other one that went with it, the light of the world, the light amidst of darkness. So I'm inviting us to look at the church relative to the salt shaker. And there it is. And it's very easy for gatherings of Jesus followers to just kind of be in a nice little cozy club. But we see Jesus is teaching au contraire. He says we are to be scattered in the world. And it's with that setting of being scattered in the world that we, the salt of the earth, are really making an impact. So in light of that, I want, to, want us to think in the realm of vision. In the scripture read today, Paul and his team had what we call the Macedonian vision. During the night, Paul had a dream, and he saw in the dream a man from Macedonia, that's out in southern Europe, a man from Macedonia, and the man was saying, come over and help us. That was the vision. And what we see in scripture is that Paul and the team then acted on the vision. What I want to do is unpack the word vision because 
we can easily say a lot of nice words about something we want to do in the future or what we want the church to do and be. Okay, we can say, you know, you're at a family gathering and you say, okay, let's, uh, let's in the future, let's, let's all of us as a family go to Paris. And everyone says, oh, that's a great idea. I'd love to do that. And, and then, you know, you talk about the weather and finish dinner and go home, and that's the end of the story. It's a great vision, but it uh, doesn't seem to happen. Or if, uh, if you don't go beyond the vision, then it stops. And I'm inviting you as a congregation to look at these key steps. There's the vision, then it must be followed by goals, and then thirdly, by strategies to make it happen. So if your dinnertime conversation about going to Paris next summer is going to happen, you must move beyond the talk of, well, that'd be a nice idea. Somebody would need to work on goals. The group would need to work on goals. Okay, what month are you going? How long will you go? Where it's safe? And the cost? And da, da, da. That has to happen. And so in a similar way, as your sabbatical pastor, I'm inviting you as a congregation to wrap your arms around your vision statement. The church for the neighborhood. And that's a great vision statement. To make it reality, it then has to be undergirded with goals, and that needs to be followed by strategies. So, the, so I want to share a couple examples of visions. People who had a vision then with goals and strategies, it really made a big difference. One of them is Sheldon Jackson. Back in the 1800s, he was a, he was a Presbyterian pastor. And he had a vision for taking the gospel to Alaska, that really, really scary foreign place. That was his vision. And so today, when you travel through Alaska, you see the results of what they eventually called the Comity Agreement, which was that the Episcopalians, for example, would be responsible to take the good news to this region of Alaska. And the Methodists would be responsible for that region. And the Presbyterians for that region. What we see today as a result of his vision, the gospel was in the late 1800s, 19, 1800s, 1900s, taken. People heard it, responded, and churches were planted because of the vision of Sheldon Jackson. Second example of 
vision. A few years ago, you have to listen carefully to this or you'll miss the point. A few years ago when I was in college, President Kennedy had a vision for greater fitness in America. So one of the classes we could take for PE credit was called circuit training. Okay, I took circuit training to get my PE credit. But after it was finished for the semester, a bunch of us guys who were taking it said, this is really great. We need to keep doing it. We said, okay. So we agreed that <clears throat> after class, before dinner at Whitworth College, University now, we would meet and we would run five or six miles every day. And we all went, wow, this is great. Well, you know, it became a habit. And it was my habit as I moved into marriage and it worked until we had children. And then my wife said, things are so intense and busy in the late afternoon, I just need you here. And I said, okay, I will be here. And I switched and I moved to early morning when everyone was still asleep. Well, we're in the calendar forward to last week. And our niece, Mandy, and this picture shows her three of her kids and some friends. Our niece, Mandy, and some other friends went to Montana to run a marathon. She's married and with these three kids to Scott and a great family life. And I called her up a couple days ago just to say, yay, good job running the marathon. You see, that's all under the heading of a vision. Kennedy had a vision for greater fitness. Mandy had a personal vision to run the marathon and she completed it. I went, yay, good work. So today's scripture from Book of Acts, the Macedonian vision, is underscoring that important aspect of a vision. You have said the vision for this church is to be the church now finally I leave this example of the vision with you because back in 87 prior to 87 uh, a group of us had a vision of taking college students discipling college students by taking them with us on an around the world missions encounter called the Venture for Christ Vision. And this is our picture uh, in St. Petersburg in Russia. So we left from, from Anchorage and there was about 35 of us total group. And we went to 11 different countries and it was there that we spent time with Jesus followers in, in those places. One man, many were memorable. One of them that I laugh about is that we spent time with a church in Northern Thailand and, and the folks invited us into their home for dinner. And 
And it was a great dinner, as you can imagine. And it had lots of atmosphere. Here's why. Because as we were eating the dinner together, what did we hear under the floor in the house? Pigs. Pigs. You know? And so we were just experiencing all of these wonderful cultures. And then when we got to near China, we smuggled Bibles into China, and we smuggled Bibles into Russia. The point is, it all started with the vision. But with that great vision, it would not have occurred had it not been undergirded then with goals and strategies. So as your sabbatical pastor, we have these weeks together. I'm inviting you to look at your church's vision, Church for the Neighborhood, great vision. And I'm inviting you then to look at what are the goals and the strategies that can vitalize that vision. Okay, so under the heading of goals, again, back to the idea of, okay, let's do a family trip to Paris. You know, then you got to narrow it down. Who's going to get the airline reservations? What towns will we stay in? Those are all goals. And then to make those goals become realities, you have to have strategies. And, and I have found this, this is called the SMART acronym. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and tangible. So to make anything happen from a vision down to reality, you have to have these smart characteristics, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, tangible. And so I invite you as leaders and involved folks in this congregation to, to look at that vision statement of a church for the neighborhood and to say, how do you make that specific? How do you measure then how you are being the church in the neighborhood? And what aspects of that can you make achievable and realistic. You know, and so at the end of a month, let's say, you meet and you look at how has that been made tangible, concrete, how you really connected in new ways to people in the neighborhood. So that it moves beyond a nice sounding phrase to something very, very well, we see that then in Paul's, <clears throat> Paul's missionary journey. And this screen says that the first century church, the ecclesia that we read about in the book of Acts, can be a model for where and how you can leave the salt shaker. Get out of the salt shaker 
into the world that God loves. And we see from the book of Acts that in, in that chapter 2, I invite you to hang out with verses 41 to 47 because it says so much about the first century church as a model for us today. They met together regularly. Then it says they disciple one another. That's one more mature Jesus follower coming alongside a, a new Jesus follower helping him or her to grow spiritually. It says they use their financial resources to care. We call it care like for the homeless or the hungry. They use that. They used it to care for one another. And the book of Acts also talks about how they were doing all of that with the empowerment <clears throat> or as Thor mentioned, the wind, the wind, it was called in the New Testament, the wind of the Holy Spirit. And that was causing them to go forward as together they wanted, and I underscore that word, wanted. They wanted to worship Christ. They wanted to serve each other. And that's so, so different from it being a should. You, know, you hear people say, I should go to church. Mm -hmm. That doesn't get you very far down the road. But when you're saying, I want to go and be with other believers in a building to worship, that is very powerful. So we are now going to do a little switch because I've had the privilege of learning from <laughs> lots of you this past week about things that would be helpful. One was what you see in the, in the sermon dialogue about having conversation with a younger person, youth group person, in preparation for next Sunday. Another thing I learned when I was at the meeting of the Good Timers group. Uh, I think that's your name. Um, Ryan. 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 <laughs> I just see if you're listening. Uh, I trust you. <laughs> so at the good timers. Yeah, or, you know, I carry a day timer. Does that? No, okay. So, <laughs> but when I was listening to folks talk, you know, I, I also heard that those who are unable to come in person to worship are doing so on Zoom right now. And we're seeking to really perfect that. But one of the things that was said at our table is that when we go into breakout groups, very important, those on Zoom, there's nothing left for them. Right? So here's how we're going to switch over, do a switch over. We're going to sing the closing hymn now. And this is for us, for those of you who are on Zoom. And then we will go into breakout groups on these topics. And then we'll have the benediction. 